morning. I'd like to take this time to lead you through a meditation for a quiet moment. This is Walking the Crooked Path by Thomas Rhodes. Holy Spirit of life and love, you who are our source and our ultimate destiny, lead us this day on a crooked path. So often we are in so much of a hurry, taking the direct route to our goal, not allowing ourselves to be distracted, and sometimes being too direct with one another in all that we seek to do, to be, and to have. But we can see that no river takes a direct path to the sea. Your trees and bushes sprout crooked limbs, and birds, beasts, and insects meander in their search for food, shelter, or a mate. We lose so much when we take the direct route, the interstate which bypasses the quaint township, the arrow that misses the mark, the chance to stop and say hello and how are you, and really listen to the reply. So lead us on the crooked path, past wandering streams and crooked trees, following our heart's desires and not just duty's demands. For the crooked path also leads us home. Sometimes we have no words. We want to be curious and ask questions, but the questions come with answers so heavy that we don't know how to respond. We want to reach out to one another, seeking to connect, but we can only find words that have already been said too many times that they've lost all meaning. Sometimes there's only silence, and sometimes there simply are no words. It is why we sing, it is why we dance, it is why we create, why we cry, and why sometimes we can only listen.
I said, what about my eyes? They said, just keep them on the road. I said, what about my passion? They said, keep it burning. I said, what about my heart? They said, tell me what it is you hold inside. I said, pain and sorrow. They said, stay with it. The wound is the place where the light enters you. These words are attributed to and translated from 13th century Persian poet and Sufi master Rumi. I've been studying his works this year, and I believe this poem to be an excellent fit for my talk today and respect the spirit of vulnerability, creativity, curiosity, and military service. I am Trish Brownlee, and I'm here on this Memorial Day weekend to share some art and stories with you. We've talked a lot about storytelling over the course of exploring curiosity as our May theme. On Mother's Day, Reverend Shim shared stories with you through the eyes of mothers. Today, I will share stories of the military through the eyes of those who have served since 9-11. This includes my own story. I ask you to be curious enough to receive these stories, even if they are difficult to take in and they make you a little bit uncomfortable. Sit peacefully in that discomfort, because I feel it too. To share our stories with others is to be vulnerable. But without vulnerability, nothing is honest and nothing can change. Around this room hangs artwork and stories I created with veterans. And if I'm asked to ask anyone else to share their story, I must first be willing to tell my own. Now, long ago, I gave this message the title, Demon Acceptance Therapy. However, when it came down to titling it for this service, Reverend Jim and I thought, got together and thought that when it came to putting that demon acceptance therapy on the front of the sign outside our building, <laughs> it might get a wee bit misinterpreted. I mean, we use are always constantly causing trouble as it is. So, for us, we know that this is demon acceptance therapy. And this service is about military service, vulnerability, and the arts and how it is my demon acceptance therapy. Let me first say I am not a therapist, but I have had a lot of therapy, and a lot of therapists, like a lot. I am a military veteran, an artist, an educator, and I recently joined this amazing congregation after moving here from North Carolina, and I am so happy to be here with you today. I'm also the wife of a combat veteran with multiple deployments. And I've definitely got my demons. But then so do all of you, if we're being honest, right? Demon acceptance therapy is also sort of a pun I've used to describe my own art practice. Because I fully believe I am standing here in today because of two things. My art and my demons. This is about how my art and sharing my story is very much therapy that has helped me to expose, name, and accept my own demons and as a result, be able to find power and healing hidden within my willingness to be vulnerable. Now, I've always been an artist, and I've had a head full of ideas and a strong attraction to all things fanciful and magical. I've always had both some issues and a spirit of curiosity. And from a very young age, I was constantly asking questions, much to the annoyance of certain Sunday school teachers. 
and looking for answers in some new place, whether it was reading books, taking photographs, making art, writing poetry, skipping school to go to fairy festivals, and then moving from one thing, place, or person to the next. Now, in your early 20s, people kindly call that free-spirited. Of course, that starts to change as you get older, and I'm not sure it's a compliment anymore. To be honest, though, I had a difficult childhood with an abusive father, and I took off right after high school. After a while in California, running out of money in art school, I joined the military at the age of 19. I had been a senior in high school when September 11th happened, and not yet 18. This means our nation has been at war for my entire adult life. I am 35 years old now, and the war in Afghanistan officially began in October of 2001. 16 and a half years ago. For me, joining the military, though, was not some patriotic act. It was far more desperate than that. It was a need for a place to live. It was a lack of options, and it was a desire to find a way to pay for college. I went on to serve in the military for nearly eight years, and I liked it for a long time. It gave me first escape, because for many years I just tried to outrun my demons, which we all know that doesn't work. They eventually catch up with you. The military also gave me some structure, stability, a skill, and a path. But it also forced me to be tough and hard and, and play this game where I had to hide this free spirit completely. And I slowly built this wall up around me. I needed that wall then, and it served me well to get through some of the abusive and moral questions that would follow me in my later years of service. Except that the free spirit was trapped on the other side of the wall and I needed that as much as I needed everything else. We often think of trauma as this huge main event. And when re in reality, it can really be a wear and tear effect, like scratching at the same bit of skin again and again and until it is rubbed raw or it is gone. I felt like some significant parts of myself were erased in the military. And as I began to question, become more aware of the racket, the moral confusion, and see more and more of the people I loved become broken, abused, and abandoned to a never-ending cycle of war in the military system, I didn't recognize parts of myself anymore. It was like the military was trying to erase me. See, as part of my job in the military, I far too often photographed memorial services, far too many funerals, and I witnessed severe injuries at Walter Reed Army Medical Center during my service. And while I never went to war, my job was to create artwork that recruited others to go to war and make propaganda that made endless war seem necessary. I didn't feel good about that after a while. I also experienced sexual assault, and I witnessed the military abuse, forget, and abandon veterans around me to a broken system when they came home injured, mentally and physically. The military is not prepared to take care of their people when they come home from war. I watched one of my closest friends, John, come home from Iraq missing a leg, a result of an IED blast. John learned to walk with a prosthetic, but mentally, he never healed. He was prescribed opiates and eventually became addicted, and he died a few years ago. This is what I witnessed during my time in the military. And eventually, when I too became broken, I was badly treated by the military. 
and I felt lost, worthless, and angry as I was very unceremoniously medically discharged after a motorcycle accident and being diagnosed with fibromyalgia. You don't want to be the person on a military base with a cast that didn't come from a war zone. It's a very strange place to be. But when my body physically wouldn't work anymore, I no longer was of service to them. And then my heart and my soul couldn't force my body to be harder any longer. Or perhaps what was really happening is my spirit knew I was done and it was time to follow the crooked path in a new direction. So I took that medical discharge and I ran straight back to the one thing I absolutely knew for sure that I was, an artist. This is my self-portrait I created to share my personal military experience. My story of military is unique, as in every path in the military and in life. No one has the same story. I used steel wool to erase my portrait to represent my time feeling like I was being erased. And I then drew myself back in with oil pencil and charcoals. I put the portrait on paper made for military uniforms. I spent a few years after the military learning the art of paper making from the founder of Combat Paper, Drew Cameron. I then spent three years of grad school studying the military and art connection. So I now understand post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury, moral injury, all these things I understood but I could not explain before. I now have words for them. Once I began to talk with other veterans, ask them their stories, and really listen, I began to work with them to make art like this. Art that explores the military experience, the military family, consequences of war, and I began researching the potential of art to help us process those experiences. And that's when I owned my vulnerability. I am an artist, but at the heart of my artwork are really just stories. I'm just a storyteller. And so I began first to use art to tell my own story. Once I started putting it all out there, getting personal and vulnerable in my artwork, I looked the demons I carry directly in the eye, finally in the daylight, and not just at 2 a.m. when they race through my brain controlling my thoughts. And this amazing thing started to happen. I didn't feel haunted anymore. In fact, I now control the story, and I'm not hiding from my own memories anymore. When I embraced the power of finally being vulnerable, things started to change. I could look behind me down the path and see how it all connected and find purpose in those experiences. I also, of course, found some good anxiety meds and therapy because science is cool too, right? Things started to get better once I could see purpose and meaning, even in my demons. And every time I stole, told my story, the demons quieted and things started to change. First, that feeling of watching myself walk through life, of disconnection from my own body, it began to fade. I now feel more present, authentic, real, dare I even say happy. Not every day, but on more days than others. And I finally understand why all those things had to happen on that crooked path. And though I'll always carry debris from those experiences, that is okay, because I am now more compassionate, patient, and connected to other people as a result. 
I found the more I told my story, the more others, even complete strangers, began to share their stories. And those who do not have my artist's hands came to learn, listen, and now trust me to tell their stories in this ongoing body of work, shadow boxes, that you see exhibited around this room. To create this work, I first talk with the veterans, and I listen. Then I take the stories they share to help me make the portrait. I print the portrait out, and I let the veterans alter it in any way they like. I then put the images onto paper made from military uniforms. It is my goal that the work creates an access point where the civilian community can begin hard conversations. It forms a connection that is genuine and rare. In my own veteran papermaking workshops, I now lead, and those workshops I experienced while learning, we turn military uniforms into paper through a traditional process. In these workshops, I also see the connection, the vulnerability, and certainly in my case, the healing that happens between everyone who participates. In the slow act of cutting up the material, the uniforms, removing every seam, zipper, and button to call it, cut them into small one-inch squares that can be popped, the veterans, their families, and civilians from the community begin to talk, share their stories, their worries. They drop their armor. And just like the uniforms go through the process of being beaten down, pulped, and then turned into paper, they and I come out the other side of this community art-making transformed. The uniform is still there. It still carries all the scars, sweat, experiences. But they now live on as a blank sheet of paper, and that paper can become anything that the veteran, the artist, or the poet creates. Left. Left, right, left, right, left. They say to always practice your cadence because practice makes perfect. Left. Left behind a lot of things to get to where I am. Right. Right choices of what I thought were being made as people's eyes transformed into escalators because they can't seem to make less stairs. Left. Father said that the military can turn boys to men. Right. But never fully explain how some paths come to the end of the road. Left, right, father knew this cadence very well. Once was a decorated soldier who now became the shell shock replica of his past. So these steps are now embedded in his brain. The voices that are now starting to climb up his vertebrae are telling him the best way to hide from his problems is to run. So he left, right, left a son wanting to go overseas and fight the war just to come right back when the war is over. But when you're exposed to the same BS as your father, how do you expect not to have a mindset to match? Left the old me thousands of miles back in the dirt, right to be back in my own country country now living in the dirt left a war-torn country with patriotism as my job right to patriotism becoming a painful reminder that it may not get you a job once it is done with you right to a bottle to drink away my sorrow left with the empty bottles remind me of promises and commitments unfulfilled excuse my forgetfulness 
It seems that my mind is starting to leave me like all of my family has. Now I'm left without a pot to piss in, right into my own clothing. Can't be pissed off if I'm pissed on, right? Left with medals of merit, but nothing is right when these medals don't get you an app. I swear, if I could afford a smartphone, that may be my best way to keep my hands on a lot of them. Left standing in the road asking for change, right in front of you standing in the road, my hands out asking you for change. Excuse me, is your name Isaac Hayes? Because your song must be playing in the background if you think you can just walk on by left fighting wars that i can no longer win when my right to freedom of speech seems null and void why put a price on truth if people choose they can't afford to pay attention so what is there left to do when everything you love and fought hard for has turned its back on you you pray that death is right around the corner because it could come so easy left left right Left, right, left. They say to always practice your cadence because practice makes perfect, especially when there's nothing left. Right? Left. Author, speaker, and researcher Renee Brown states, owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities as risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and on belonging and on joy, the experiences that make us most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our own light. For the healing power of story to work, on the other side of the storyteller, there must be those willing to listen, even when the message is difficult to hear. This is your so what? What do I do with all of this? I do believe most people desire to connect to veterans. I believe they wish for words to express it just as much as the veteran who is trained to remain silent really wants to shout out loud for all the world to hear. So often we try to connect using these words. Thank you for your service. Selfless service is a trained value for veterans. And when I hear thank you for your service, I close down and I have no response. All potential further communication disappears into the void of my own complicated emotions and indoctrination. And I don't think I am alone in this amongst my fellow veterans. Our theme this month is curiosity. So what happens if we were to take a close-ended statement like thank you for your service and replace this default with questions? How was your service? What was it like? Will you tell me about your time in the military? Then we listen. How does this spirit of curiosity, even in the face of difficult conversation, begin a ripple effect of change? The transcendentalists, which helped shape our UU principles, believed in storytelling and conversation as a spiritual practice. It is often through conversation that we are exposed to new ideas, other perspectives, and growth takes place. Asking questions removes assumptions. In his essay, The Oversoul, Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote that through conversation, people become wiser than they were. Sociologist Shirley Turkle argues that conversation is where we develop the capacity for empathy. It is where we experience the joy of being understood and of being heard. Meaningful conversation is difficult in our world. 
To earnestly ask how was your service and be willing to hear a difficult answer is far more complicated and uncomfortable than to simply make a statement like thank you for your service. Yet there is so much to be gained from being willing to walk into your discomfort. Edward Tick, in his book, War and the Soul, writes, like a hologram, one person's story extends into another to reveal the larger story about what has happened to us all and what meaning we might discover in it. A military story is about everyone who participates in the war, as well as their family members, their friends, and their communities. War stories are about the earth and the damage done to it. They are about the nations who wage war and the histories, politics, beliefs, and values that lead up to war and continue them. And they are about the wounds, deaths, and demons that result and how they shape the future of everyone and every place involved. Tick also writes about tribal warriors who would fight battles and upon returning from war, their villages would go out to greet them. They would gather in a neutral place and the warriors would tell their stories of battle, dispersing the burden of service throughout the tribes instead of being forced to carry them alone. People in many traditional cultures often accompanied storytelling with some form of artistic expression. War narratives were often danced or acted out before the tribe, serving as a form of healing and sharing the energies and experiences of war with everyone. In Celtic societies, poets who did not fight would march to war with the warriors, recording the events and bearing witness to them. Afterward, they would share the events in poetry, helping transform them from personal story to the collective story of all to remember and carry. We have something to learn from this. Storytelling knits the community together. It records and creates a collective history and transforms both the storyteller and listeners alike into communal witnesses. Storytelling get, helps us give meaning, purpose, and cleansing to the experiences. To remain silent allows demons to run rampant. Thank you for your service, parades, memorials, mass patriotic celebrations. These are not authentic forms of conversation for our veterans. For those who serve, they must revisit and share the experiences of the military in a way that tells the truth and frees the heart from the bondage of the past. Storytelling and the arts creates a safe space for this to take place for both the veterans and the community. And if we as veterans do not share our stories, we leave it to the politicians, Hollywood, and those profiting from war, and they will get it wrong. All who make a profit from war often paint the story of a thrill-seeking hero fighting a clear villain, when the reality of war is so much more gray and murky. To counteract this, Tick writes that veterans' stories need to be told in a way that transfers the weight of the events from the individual to the community. Veterans need civilians who, in addition to representing the tribal audience, encourage deep diving into a story. It is important not only that the veteran tell her story, but that she perceives it as truly being heard. These stories must be told deeply and heard deeply for the healing power of story to take effect and the burdens of war to become dispersed through the society who endlessly sends its people to fight them. I don't agree with war, but that's not what this is about. 
This is not about political affiliations or personal views, but about recognizing that America is a country that continues to send its people to war, and we all have a responsibility to carry those burdens and hear those stories if we ever have a chance of changing that. These stories need to be told and heard, and they are needed for the soul healing, not just of an individual, but for the soul of a nation. When I started asking other veterans questions, I found that they were desperate to speak after being trained to be silent. Besides myself, there's another veteran in this room whose artwork is on these walls. One of them is Steve, my husband, who played guitar for us today, and he has a story. This is his artwork. I took the pictures and we both made the paper and he used a knife to make the markings which only reveal a small part of his story of nine combat tours in 14 years with US Army Special Forces Regiment. This art hangs here and Steve is here and he will tell you the rest if only asked. There are many stories waiting to be heard. I have allowed my own vulnerability, my artist's voice and hands to be a light in this dark world. But it begins with recognizing our own truth, seeing our own darkness, owning our story, and then be com being comfortable enough in our own vulnerability to share it. Healing is a strange word. I still have scars from that life-changing motorcycle accident. And though it's healed, some days it still hurts. I've had follow-up surgery, physical therapy, yoga, and occasional pain meds. If it's healed, but it still hurts, then are we ever all better? I don't know if we can truly heal our military or our country, but I can tell you that every time I've told this story, I'm just a little stronger and a little better. I still have anxiety and this overwhelming need to be perfect, to feel like it's never enough, often manifesting in insomnia. But now I see those cycles coming, and on those nights when I can't let the feelings pass, it's on those sleepless nights when I create. I don't claim that making art about all the bad shit that has happened in my life has made me all better, but I do understand it now. I can process it. I can talk about it. I own my memories, and they don't own me. I no longer hide from my experiences, and I'm not afraid of my demons in the dark. I don't know if we're ever all better. I don't have an answer to that. But then I'm still walking my own crooked path, and today it has led me here along with all of you. And with some help with some wise words that I've read along the way, I can now be brave enough, vulnerable enough, to be able to share my story with you. So I'll just leave you with a small challenge. Take just a small step past thank you for your service and ask how was your service with a spirit of curiosity. I'll end here with a prayer for living intention with Joseph M. Cherry. If we have any hope of transforming the world and changing ourselves, we must be bold enough to step into our discomfort, brave enough to be clumsy there, loving enough to forgive ourselves and others. May we, as people of faith, be granted the strength to be so bold, so brave, and so loving.
world is too beautiful to be praised by only one voice. May you have the courage to sing your part. The world is too broken to be healed only by one set of hands. May you have the courage to use your gifts. May you go in peace. Namaste.